All right, welcome to America This Week. I'm Matt Taibbi. I'm Walter Kern. Walter, are you in a hotel room again? I'm in a terrible hotel room. It's going to have uh, the live sounds of New York City traffic over, you know, overlaid on my beautiful voice. Um, and it's got poor internet, so there'll be a yellowish, foggy cast as though a mosquito fogger just went off in the room. Um, I, I like it. It's got a kind of a Whitechapel 1888 kind of look to it. Um, yeah, yeah. It, it's good, yeah. Uh, well, we have a lot to get to this week. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I I just feel like I'm 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 broadcasting from an enemy bunker or something. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, if people can stand all the uh, the mood effects from the traffic, you know, I'll be fine. Yeah, there'll be uh, some occasional uh, killings, muggings, other things going on outside Walter's window. But but exactly. Being the good Americans that we are, we're going to ignore that and just and, and just move on to our media exercise. Uh, in that vein, we never do this, but we should just remind folks that um, if you like the show and you want to you want it to continue and want us to keep doing this, uh, please you know consider subscribing. Um, it would help uh, keep keep the show going, and uh, you can do that on Substack. And uh, with that, this was a busy week, Walter. We had. Um, we're moving into this area of pre-election season where mm -hmm. people start positioning uh, themselves for themes they're going to adopt uh, on on either side of the aisle. And there was a succession of events uh, that, that took place last, last week. But I, I think a good place to start is with some seemingly unconnected news uh that that you felt like it w was worth bringing up beginning with one news story that happened in la we can get to another thing but, but what are some of the infrastructural highlights of the american experience from the last couple of weeks well a freeway burnt down in los angeles uh you you don't expect that that will happen in america but uh the 10 which to anybody who either watches Saturday Night Live, uh, uh, you know, that little skit they do about commuting in Los Angeles, or anybody who actually lives in Los Angeles knows is the main artery between Santa Monica and uh, downtown Los Angeles. And there was some incredible pile of debris that built up underneath it, which caught fire and literally burned cement and melted guardrails. <laughs> um, and I know from my uh, Los Angeles correspondence that the commute all around Los Angeles has been affected. Um, there's no, there, the last time this kind of damage was done to a major freeway was the North Ridge earthquake. Um, but this was a human quake. Uh, at the same time, up in San Francisco, uh, they were cleaning things up. So, uh, uh, you know, the Chinese leaders, Xi, could visit uh, a, a kind of Potemkin version of San Francisco. That's so sad, isn't it? It's it, like Potemkin, San Francisco. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. So they were getting the they were getting the fentanyl uh, casualties off the street and putting up fences and doing other things like that. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, a freeway was burning down. Um, I love that sentence. Uh, meanwhile, back in New York, at the same time this was happening, I was talking to a friend who had to commute from or 
travel at least from Grand Central Station up to Albany, but wasn't able to because a parking garage had started disintegrating a huge, heavy concrete parking garage above the Amtrak tracks had started disintegrating and, and, and they had to close the, you know, that little dinky rail line between New York City and the state capital in right. Albany. The only one. Yeah, the only one. Um, yeah. yeah I, so between this, you know, between Potemkin, San Francisco, burning freeway and collapsing uh, parking structure over Amtrak tracks, I went, I can see what the next issue of the big, uh, you know, presidential season is going to be, which is American deterioration. Uh, that, that, that's not something that is often talked about in the polls, but to me, it's just the overwhelming um, uh, feature of this moment. Right. Yeah. And, and just to set the scene, let, let's, let's, let's just read a paragraph from the USA Today account of the, uh, the, interna- the, the freeway episode in uh, Los Angeles. A large fire broke out under Interstate 10 Saturday after midnight, fully engulfing multiple pallets, vehicles, and trailers before winds blew the flames across the street to another storage yard, said Los Angeles Fire Department Chief Kristen Crowley. Eight acres uh, were scorched in the blaze, officials said. The cause of the fire hasn't been released. And, and, and the thing about the story is that it just died. It, it, it was no longer a story like 10 minutes after it came out. Um, these things happen so often now that they, they have ceased to become uh, issues in American life. And in most parts of the country, the reality of, of decaying, declining, terrible infrastructure is just sort of a fact of life. And I, I remember going overseas when I was a kid and thinking, God, everything looks so decrepit. Now I think the opposite every time I go overseas. Uh, and this clearly is an is an issue for voters because it affects their daily lives. Um, is it not? I mean, I, I and and that is also what Trump picked up on when he when he ran in two thousand and sixteen. That's like that was the theme of his speech. We don't win anymore. Um, everything looks terrible, right? Uh, and and it's the same the, thing that the that, hmm? the shithole word that he used of right. other countries and i believe has brought home on occasion um but you know uh matt as far as the freeway thing goes in in california it's huge i mean it is it it is a gigantic freeway on pillars the fire was enormously hot uh like i say it melted guardrails um, there's no clear picture of when you'll be able to commute on the 10 freeway anymore. Um, and uh, th- the idea that this can be swept under the rug on a national level is, you know, I guess possible in the age of controlled media, but it can't be swept under the rug on the Southern California level. Um, and, you know, uh, a good measure of how Twitter sort of outpaces the news anymore is how well it was covered there. I mean, uh, I've gotten granular data on how it's affected commute times in Los Angeles. 
Times, but uh, I think I saw a New York Times headline yesterday. I, in fact, I know I did, and maybe we should look this up. On the front page, it said uh, something like California freeway disaster. Drivers don't sweat it. <laughs> I know. I know that that was the headline. Don't drivers don't sweat it. Freeway closed. Drivers in LA don't sweat it. That is, uh, that is exactly the headline. Um, Next week, the headline will be "What me worry?" Right, um, right. For commuters, added inconvenience in a city full of them. Yeah, who cares? Uh, <laughs> just one more burning freeway on top of a lot of other annoyances. <laughs> I mean, when dude, when I saw this on the front page of, of, of our greatest newspaper, I, I was just like, "What? That's how you cover it? It's like war in the Middle East." <laughs> Just another day in a in a difficult area of the world, you know. <laughs> Nord Stream pipeline blows up. Well, infrastructure sucks these days, doesn't it? The New York Times front page. Years ago, I thought about doing like a a stand up routine where I would be throwing the, the New York Times front page, and I would have a uh, a, a red marker and just go bullshit, bullshit, but like, like I would find, try to find all the, the bullshit on it within 60 seconds. Uh, but it, I mean, this is a classic, right? Because the whole, the whole thing about the New York Times front page is that it's a window into the soul of like the 1% media audience. They're like, this is how they want to understand uh, world events. So, they're being told, oh, yeah, well, you know, there was a highway fire in Los Angeles, but, you know, all those folks down there, they'll, you know, they're just soldiering on bravely like we all did, you know, uh, after 9-11 or whatever, whatever it is, right? Like, it's just, it's just reassuring to them, um, you know, that yeah. view of things. But it, to me, it's like a programming device. It just tells you not to sweat it. People, people in the know know not to sweat it when a freeway burns down between them and the downtown they have to commute to. Um, we're just slow, you know, we're just slowly getting used to this new world. And I love how the thing that causes people not to sweat it is that everything else is so shitty already. Um, right. How, right. You know, let's grade on the curve here. What do you expect in LA? You know, um, uh, right. Right. It's all. And it's all. It's there's already fires, you know, burning on the sidewalk from encampments and you know other things. So, you know, in in the in the great dystopian landscape, what's in a burning freeway? And again, not not to harp on this too much, but this as as a segue into kind of the next topic. Um, this is exactly. It is exactly what Donald Trump led with when he announced his run for the presidency, but all the way back in 2015, uh, you know, it, he, he began by talking about how great the, because he announced in the Trump Tower, he, he first of all talked about how big the crowd was and how comfortable everyone was. And then he says, and I can tell some of the candidates, they went in, they didn't know the air conditioner didn't work. They sweated like dogs. He's talking about their announcements. 
Um, they didn't know the room was too big because they didn't have anybody there. How are they going to beat ISIS? And then he goes on to talk about how China beats us. When was the last time you saw a Chevrolet in Tokyo? Uh, you know, when do we meet, beat Mexico at, at the border? Now they're beating us economically. Um, the U.S. has become a dumping ground. Uh, this is just the, the, the constant refrain of this campaign. And it scores with people whether they like him or not. Right, because he he's he's exactly the person who's who's not saying, um, yeah, well, you know, another highway blew up, but that's fine because you know people are used to it, right? Like, uh, and that the, people who want to understand why Trump's campaign did well, these are two obvious. Uh, you know, point, data points that you have to look at. The, company, the, the country is crumbling. Nobody's really being accountable for it. And that's just a huge opening for somebody like him who doesn't have any, you know, any dog in the fight uh, to just rip on, on leaders for ignoring them. Well, it's a huge opening for anyone that, right. San, Fran that San Francisco has to be resurfaced uh, socially and physically in order uh, to host a, a foreign leader. Um, and, and Newsom kind of did his own version of don't sweat it when people said, listen, why are you, you know, cleaning it up for Xi when you can't clean it up for the people who pay for the cleanup with their taxes? And he's like, well, it's true because it's true. Yeah, we're cleaning it up for him. That's true because it's true. That was another quote. Um, so don't sweat it and what me worry and, uh, hey, you know, life's a bitch are, are the new slogans, the new anti-Trump uh, slogans. Uh, and, and I just don't think that's going to work, causing people to ignore things like burning freeways in order to see the larger issue of democracy is, is going to be a difficult haul if that's what they want to do. Right, and then now here's where we where we have to introduce the sort of rat a tat tat uh, you know, succession of news events um, before I guess it's before the uh, the highway thing collapsed, but there was a um, a poll that came out in the New York Times uh, last Monday that showed uh, Trump leading Biden. This is a New York Times slash Siena College poll. So it's not like a Rasmussen poll or anything like that. Um, and the headline is Donald Trump leads Biden, Joe Biden in five of six key battlegrounds polled by the New York Times. Uh, but everybody wigged out about it because it not only showed uh, that Trump was ahead in a lot of these places, but that uh, even more significantly, that he was gaining um, with demographics he hadn't done well be with before. So young people, uh, minorities. And so for instance, an analysis from our reporter, Shane Goldmacher, um, uh, Trump is performing, performing better in more diverse battlegrounds. It's a sign of how the racial coalitions, the two parties are shifting. And so everybody went into full wig out mode after this poll came out. Particularly, I think that the youth thing caught some folks by surprise, although there are some other polls that show that maybe that wasn't so representative. 
but they're explaining that by saying that young people are are unhappy about Biden's commitment to Israel. I don't know that that's the case. I think it probably has more to do with young people entering the workforce and feeling like they, you know, don't, they're never going to own a home or, or they're never going to not live with six other roommates or whatever it is. Um, why they would vote for Trump necessarily, I don't know, but, but, but certainly they're, you know, it's not a great environment for young people. Um, so I don't know. No. Uh, here's, what, here's what Hispanics and young people tend to have in common. More difficult economic uh, circumstances, okay? Uh, uh, in general, people who live either in starter homes or in places where immigrants uh, congregate or, uh, you know, in big cities are getting the brunt of an economic infrastructural crisis. Uh, and uh, whether, you know, Paul Krugman thinks we are misjudging our economic situation, as he's written recently, or, or what, it's pretty clear, uh, because I spent time in a big city, Las Vegas, I just came from that, I'm here in New York, it's pretty clear that at the, at, at the, at the edges of things, stuff's falling apart. And as as the parent of two young people and someone tapped into the fortunes of those in their 20s, I can tell you that the view from 23 looks pretty rocky unless you have, you know, the greatest job at Facebook. Um, and so coalitions among those who are uh, vulnerable economically are going to fray in this world. Um, and uh, I think the New York Times even nods to that with a quote in that piece saying, uh, where somebody says, uh, you know, my life personally has been affected by, by, by the Biden administration. Um, yeah, there's a lot of discontent out there. And it's a lot of discontent based on things like burning freeways and inflation. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, high interest rate, the lack of any path toward home ownership, and so on. And no wonder. So did you ever read the, um, the play We Bombed in New Haven by, uh, the, the, by the Joseph Heller? Play? No, uh, I haven't. Um, there's a there's a line in there. I, there's some Yosarian type character in there, and there's it's a bunch of um, military people, and one of them is saying, uh, "We're going to bomb Constantinople off the map." And somebody quips, "Why don't we just bomb the map?" And um, and this makes me think because you know you and I spent the last you know, year or so spending, uh, talking a lot about the, uh, the, the government department that's supposedly in charge of critical infrastructure. Uh, you know, this, the Department of Homeland Security, the Cybersecurity cyber Infrastructure Security Agency, and, you know, that's sort of partly connected to uh, general infrastructure, but, but, but DHS as a whole, uh, they're in charge of infrastructure. But they poured a ton of energy 
into suppressing what people talk about. Um, and it feels like there's not so much energy into fixing the actual infrastructure, right? So uh, there, what I'm trying to get is at it, is the, it, there's a it bipartisan is an effort. Mm -hmm. It's an eternal verity of government that when you can't manage reality, you can at least manage perception. And, and when, you're, when your freeways are burning down and your inflation rates are approaching double digit, people are having trouble buying food and things like that, uh, and you can't do much about it or you aren't willing to for some reason, you can at least, talk, you can at least uh, clamp down on how people talk about it and whether they discuss it or not. Right. Right. And, and, you know, we, we had this, this week, we had kind of the inevitable thing happen where, um, we finally have the Cassis Belli that's going to get the Republican party behind speech suppression. We had, we saw it from the, on the blue side with, uh, the New York governor, Kathy Hochul talking about, um, you know, new measures that are going to be needed to uh, quote unquote ramp up social media uh, surveillance over uh, surging uh, anti-Semitism. Uh, what, what she said. And, and Islamophobia. She, she also mentioned that. Yeah. We've launched an effort to be able to counter some of the negativity and reach out to people when we see hate speech being spoken about on online platforms. Wait, uh, stop. Reach out? What did what? Reach I, out? What does that mean? I I, I don't I don't know. Uh, our social media analysis union has ramped up its monitoring of sites to catch incitement to violence, direct threats uh, to others. Um, and then, you know, we've heard a lot of that from um, from Democrats, but the new thing is that you know now we're starting to hear it from people like. Uh, Nikki Haley, uh, who is now, now uh, uh, she's the former South Carolina governor. Uh, she, she called for name verification on all social media profiles. She said, when I get into office, the very first thing we ha have to do, uh, social media companies, they have to show America their algorithms. Let's see what they're pushing, uh, why they're pushing. Um, and this is a national security threat. Uh, and so, you know, now basically there, there's a candidate, she's technically running for president, although she's a total non-factor in the race. Uh, but this is basically, the, you know, a mainstream Republican candidate who is calling for the same kind of uh, oversight over speech that, you know, we'd seen, uh, we've, we've seen from the other side for a while now. So is, is uh, the Gaza situation going to be that issue that finally um, consolidates the other side? I don't know. I mean, I don't think that Rep Republican voters are there yet. Do you? Um, it, it's unclear whether voters care at all about hmm. speech suppression as an issue. I, I have yet to see any uh, worthy polling on the topic. Uh, this this is one of those issues that is of burning importance to Washington and, and to politicians, and of very little to anybody I actually know. 
Um, in other words, I don't see people or talk to people ever who say, you know what the first thing a president should do when they get into office is? Make people register their names on social media. Because, well, because I think that how we talk about things is the biggest issue in the land. Nobody's like that except these people. They are, because nobody, nobody but them has control over the tools that, that will, uh, you know, uh, make this possible. And nobody but them benefits from controlling those tools. Uh, this is not a popular, uh, this is not a popular issue. And yet they talk about it as though it's the greatest threat to our society. Well, so I, I do think, though, that the sort of general issue of the growing influence of the security state is a huge issue for, or has been for Republicans. No, no, no. Uh, excuse me. What I mean is that for normal people, the, the threats of, of free expression are not threats that they feel in their daily life. Oh, right, yeah. Uh -huh. The threats to uh, their ability to express themselves freely from the government, from these czars, are things that they seem concerned about. Um, in other words, the dangers of free expression don't, don't seem to bother them, to me. The dangers to their liberties from over zealous regulation are things they notice. Yeah, and I, I, I just don't see Gaza as being the thing that gets everybody, gets your typical MAGA voter or your RFK voter, um, you know, excited about backing, you know, intelligence service surveillance of the domestic population I, I i don't i don't think that's going to happen but maybe it will who knows um but you, no. at least now you see you know that superficially it's there i mean it, there there was a kind of bipartisan union even like the right after trump got elected there was the alliance for securing democracy which was an attempt to kind of bring together neocons and and clintonian democrats and get them behind this stuff, uh, but you know, I I, I don't know. Uh, but it's 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 part of this larger issue um, that, I, that I'm having trouble kind of threading together. Which is there's an enormous amount of discontent, and rather than deal with it, rather than uh, uh, admit it as an issue, uh, they want us to be thinking about things that are happening overseas and threats that are not real to most people. And, uh, right. Right. I mean, I, I, it, that, that's what it feels like is happening heading into a president, this presidential election year. You know, there, there's not a whole lot of people talking about what the discontent, where the discontent is coming from in the country that is such that people would be voting for Donald Trump, even so, even still after all these years. Yeah, it's it's always dealt with as though it's some intellectual, perceptual, philosophical, philosophical problem that that people um, 
don't understand uh, or uh, don't properly mm, measure the threats to our way of life that come from various ideas. But there is very little attention being paid to what I might call, uh, you know, physical material reality anymore. And as, you know, as material reality degenerates and people start talking about it and expressing their discontent, uh, these, these, these endeavors, these enterprises that seek to, uh, you know, choke off their ability to talk seem to seem to grow ever more intense. Yeah, I mean, um, and and the the unwillingness to face where what any where any of this comes from is just it's just getting more and more pronounced. I mean, there was a hilarious uh article by Margaret Sullivan who used to be the public editor of the New York Times and she was the big media writer um at the Washington Post now she's moved to which the, the sort of Guardian USA which has become like the outpost for uh kind of hashtag resistance uh lunacy to the max and she wrote an article called the public doesn't understand the risks of a Trump victory that's the media's fault uh, that contain um, basically the, this idea that the reason for the poll result is that the press is is not doing an adequate job of communicating uh, the dangers of a Trump win. Uh, she writes, instead, journalists have emphasized Joe Biden's age and Trump's freewheeling style. They blame the public's attitudes on, quote, polarization as if they themselves have no role. Uh, and she says, we need less pussyfooting, more vigor and repetition, and less talk about, about Biden being old. I mean, who's talking, I mean, it, it, they're talking about stuff like their highways being on fire, <laughs> and, you know, not having to step over dead people on the way to work or, you know, not, things not being in stores because they were 